Will you turn with me in your Bibles in John chapter 5, verses 15 through 24, or you can find it printed in your bulletins, John chapter 5, verses 15 through 24, as we continue our study from the book of John. This is the word of God. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you might marvel. For as the Father rises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that even since the beginning, since the fall of mankind, you design a plan to restore your creation and to save people that you will call to be your people. And even since the beginning, uh, you um, plan in sending your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to come to this world to redeem us. And we thank you that as Jesus came into the world and took flesh as he emptied himself, we thank you that also he reveal himself to those around him and to us as well. We thank you that you have given us faith to trust in him through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you, through him, give us new life in Christ. Now, as we look at these verses, Lord, we pray that you may help us to learn more about you, about who you are, and about our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we learn, our faith will grow And for those who are still trying to understand the gospel, that you will reveal yourself in a special way to their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we were looking at this moment in which Jesus came to this man 
uh, who is part of a crowd of sick people who are gathered together around this pool because they have heard and thought that if you go into this pool, you will be healed by a miraculous power of God. We saw that uh, when Jesus went to this place and talked to this particular man, he was in a mission, that he was intentional in addressing the spiritual need of this man, as he was intentional in reaching out to the Samaritan woman or to the official in order to get the gospel to him and his family, we see how Jesus has an intentional plan in the life of this man, that it was not that he just bumped into this man and then all of a sudden have this conversation with him, found out that he was sick. It is more that Jesus goes there to heal the man in order to show him his spiritual need as well. We saw that also because there was a crowd of people and he only go and address the need of one man. And it was not because this man had faith that the others didn't have, but it was because God had a plan in the life of this man. One thing that I want to tell you also is that every time you hear a sermon from any passage of the Bible, uh, you will always... Uh, leave the room with more questions about different parts of the Bible, different parts of the passage, because no sermon can address all the things that you can find in a text. This is why you can hear different pastors preaching on the same passage, addressing different emphasis on the text. So having said that, I like to say that as we look at last week's test, we saw that when Jesus goes to this man and said, See that you are well, see no more. He was addressing the spiritual need of this man. It was impossible for this man to leave that place and see no more, see no more for the rest of his life. Unless all something worse is going to happen to you, it will mean that the man for sure will experience something worse. Jesus' goal was to confront the spiritual condition of this man. And to make him realize that the only hope that he had was Jesus himself. But at the same time, and this is where I'm adding something, it is also important to understand that sin brings consequences to people's life. That when you sin, you can be forgiven. That's true. Christians, we do sin and are forgiven by God. But sin sin will bring consequences to our lives. Um, And in the case of some people, some people experience those consequences for the rest of their lives, even though they have been forgiven by God. Now we are here, again, looking at the other part of the test, which is that we are seeing that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day. And I would say that as we see that Jesus is intentional in meeting with this man to address his physical and spiritual need, he is also intentional in healing the man on the Sabbath day. It is not that all of a sudden Jesus goes to the place, he didn't realize it was the Sabbath day, and then all of a sudden he meets this man, um, and then he heals the man, and then he said, oh, it was Sabbath. I should not have done that this today. We know that that's not Jesus. Jesus knew well what he was doing. And Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath day because he had a purpose 
in doing it on that particular day. And I think the purpose is to teach people at that time around him and to teach us today something about his relationship with the Father, something about who he was and who is the Father and about the Trinity. If we look at the the Old Testament, you will see that God reveals himself as a triune God throughout the Old Testament in different instances. But it is when we get to the New Testament, when we get to Jesus himself, making himself known to those who are around them, around him, that people got to understand something that remained, in a sense, as a mystery throughout many centuries. Jesus is revealing that there is a triune God, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is one God. And this is what he is teaching to them at that time. And the context of the lesson is the Sabbath day. Now, this lesson is, is very important for Christians of all ages, for all of us. Because we, we have faith in God and we, we learn about God and we get to know God through God himself revealing to us. And here, Jesus is revealing things about himself and about God. So there are four things that we will look at from these verses. And I can tell you this. You could get 10 to 20 points on this passage. If you do an outline, and you'll say, oh, Enrique, by the end of the sermon, but how about this, and how about that, and how about this, and how about that? Yes, I'm telling you from now, there are 10 to 20 points, because this passage has a lot going on. But I'm going to just choose four things that are kind of an outline, a main outline for what we are seeing in terms of the relationship between the Son and the Father. Now, I want to tell you this. Today is Father's Day, and I didn't choose the title because today was Father's Day. In fact, I'm pretty good, pretty bad on remembering special dates, so I didn't know it was a Father's Day until a few days ago, and somebody told me, oh, are you going to, you know, actually the title is The Father and the Son, but it is not about Father's Day. So the first thing that we're going to see from these verses is the Father and the Son work on the Sabbath. The Father and the Son work on the Sabbath. So we saw that Jesus heals the man, it's Sabbath, and he says to him, Take out your mat and walk. Take out your mat and walk. If you read just until that verse, you will think, well, that's the action that Jesus is telling the man to do as an evidence of his healing. That now he's able to walk in an instant after 38 years of being a paralytic. And now he's not just able to walk, but he's able to carry the mat where he was laid, people will bring him to this place and will leave him there. Sometimes they will stay there with him for a while and then he will, they will leave and, and ensure that people went to pick him up by the end of the day. But Jesus is telling you right now are able to take out your mat and walk. Now, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is that the religious leaders have created, has come up with 
28, 29, 28 laws that were used to protect the Sabbath day. They were used in order to teach people, this is what you will do, and this is what you should not do if you don't want to work on the Sabbath day. I have heard that one of those was that you should not lift up something heavier than a fig, the fruit. And of course, the mat will be heavier than that. That will have been considered work. And we might even laugh today as, wow, this is what they thought it was work. But this is the thing. They were preventing people. They thought that they were preventing people from breaking the Sabbath. They were defining what was work and what was not to work. Therefore, this man take out the mat and he is seen by religious leaders and the religious leaders challenge him because he is walking with that. He is walking with the mat. Then he is breaking the Sabbath. Then when the religious leaders confront him about that, Remember that he didn't say, I'm praising God because he healed me. It's been 38 years of me lying on that mat, and now I'm healed, I'm well, I can walk. All he could think is that, well, there was a man who told me to do this. Now, again, I'm saying this is my perspective, and here is where there are divisions. Some people will be more gracious to the man's words, but for me it's, it's difficult to be gracious with a person who rather than trying to highlight what God has done for him, is actually trying to say, hey, I'm doing just this because he told me to do it because he was afraid of the religious leaders. Now, he later is encountered by Jesus. You remember, see you are well, see no more. Now he knows it's Jesus what does he do? He goes to the religious leaders right away and say, he went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. This is where I feel even more uncomfortable with the man. He's going to go and say, hey, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And maybe, maybe he was just afraid of what could happen to him because he was seen by religious leaders walking on a Sabbath day. And as a result of that, you see that this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. So Jesus goes, heals the man. And what does he get in return from the man? That he goes and tells the religious leaders and he is being persecuted. But now I won't blame the man in this sense. It was not that Jesus didn't know that the man would do this or that. Jesus was looking for this, because Jesus was looking for this encounter in order to reveal something about himself and about God the Father. Because he was doing these things on Sabbath, on the Sabbath. That's why they were persecuting Jesus. Now, does Jesus go and try to them make things easier for him? And, and let's say, go and say, I didn't mean to do it on a Sabbath and try to uh, justify his action. No, he goes and says to them, 
But Jesus answered them. And here this word that is uh, referring to Jesus answered them is a Greek word that is usually used in the context of a legal argument. So it was not just a regular, uh, Jesus just is responding to something that they ask him. So we don't know what's the context of this conversation, but here is Jesus having this confrontation with them, and his answer to them is, my father is working until now, and I am working. My father is working until now, and I am working. What does that mean? Well, my father is working until now is that since the creation, since God created everything, God has continued to sustain his creation. That there has not been a moment when God is just observing what is happening as some theologists will argue that, that God created everything and things are just rolling by themselves. Or as most of the people in the world think that the world is just just happening that is having rotation and moving around the, the, the song and, and things are just happening and your, your heart is just, you know. It is not that. It is that God from the beginning has continued to work sustaining his creation. Even the religious leaders of Jesus' time believe that, that God continued to work sustaining his creation. In fact, it is interesting that, that they will, because of that, try to come up with all kind of explanations for why God wasn't breaking the Sabbath. Things like, okay, he's, he's working in his domain, so the whole universe is him, so basically he's not breaking the Sabbath because he's there. Or, or when he's lifting things up, I mean, the universe is light for Jesus, lighter than a fig maybe. I will say, therefore, God, God is not breaking the Sabbath. But, but Jesus is pointing then to the fact that from the beginning, God created everything, and God has continued to sustain everything that exists. Therefore, he says, he is working, and I am working. Well, first of all, we know that Jesus created everything that exists. He is the one who created everything, as we saw in John chapter 1. But you see that throughout the history of the Old Testament, in God's plan of redemption, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been active. I mean, humans create a lot of work. What? With what? With sins and the problems that we create on earth. And God is delivering people, and people are going and sinning against, and then he has to discipline God's people, and then they will repent, and he will forgive them, and you have that cycle going on and on throughout the Old Testament. So Jesus is saying, God is working, and I am working. And verse 18 says, this, is, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more, now not just to persecute him, but to kill Jesus. First he broke the Sabbath, and now he is saying that his father is working and he is working as well. Why? The, the argument is because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling Jesus his own father. 
making himself equal with God. Here is a point where I think the religious leaders are right. They got it right. What did they get right? That when Jesus said what he said, he was saying, I am God. I am God. I am equal with my Father, with God. Actually, they got it better than many people today. Some people will say that Jesus was a good prophet, a good man, a good man that walks on earth, uh, giving good lessons and, and good teachings. But this is the problem. Jesus himself is saying that he is God. Therefore, you cannot believe that he is a good man and then he is lying when you say that he is not God. You either believe that Jesus is God or he will be a liar because he himself confessed that he is God. So the religious leaders got it right. They understood. I won't say that they fully understood Jesus' words, but they understood that what Jesus meant implied that he was God. And here is one thing important that Jesus, again, is not correcting you will say they're misunderstanding, that they misunderstood his words to say, I'm, 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 I'm working, my father is working, I didn't mean that I am with God. But as you continue to see in the following verses, he doubles down. He just keeps on expanding this understanding that he and God are one. So that's the first thing. The father, the father and the son works on the Sabbath. The second thing is that the Father and the Son are of one accord. Verse 19 says like this, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. I got to admit that as I was reading commentaries on this verse throughout this week, um, I was disappointed because these were people that I really trust when I read them. But they were uh, uh, coming from this verse to talk about the eternal subordination of the Son. And what does that mean? It means that they will say that God the Father and God the Son are ontologically the same, meaning that they are in essence the same. But God the Son, God the Son submits to the will of God the Father from eternity. I'm going to say it again, that God the Father and God the Son are the same in essence. But from eternity, God the Son submits to the will of God the Father. So that's what is the, the name of this Position is the eternal subordination of the Son. The Son is from eternity, they will say, subordinated to the, to the Father. The problem with that is that you are talking about two wills. The will of the Father and the will of the Son. And the will is always connected with the essence. If you will be talking about two wills, you will be talking about two gods. Two gods. But... When we read the New Testament, yes, we see that the Son is submitting to the will of the Father, right? 
But in the New Testament, in the pages of the New Testament, when the Son is submitting to the will of the Father, is submitting to the will of the Father in the sense of Him, in His human will, submitting to the will of God the Father, which is His own will, His human will is submitting to the will of the divine will of God. I think that this might be a little bit complicated for us to see, but it's the, the Son in His humanity is submitting to the Father and himself as Jesus shares the same divine nature of God. And that's important for us to understand because that's part of God's, the psalm, Jesus, he emptied himself and he lived among us and took the form of a servant and submits again, as you see throughout his ministry, to God the Father. So what is the, why, why is this important? Because then you might come across this in other instances. But when you read this verse that says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only that, only what he sees the Father's doing, rather than seeing this as Jesus submitting himself to God the Father from eternity, this should prove to us that the will of the Father and the will of the Son are the same. That nothing that Jesus is doing is against the will of the Father because the will of the Father, the will of the Son, and the will of the Holy Spirit are the same. It's one God, one essence, and three persons. So we have here again that the Father and the Son are of one accord. Think about this. This is very, uh, it will be very challenging for those who were listening to Jesus. They are hearing that his will is the same as the will of God, the Father, the God that they have believed throughout centuries, the God of the Old Testament. We could not say that as humans, as Humans about God. We say the will of God, the will of God be done, and we submit to His will. But here Jesus is telling them, the Father's will and my will are the same. Third, the Father and the Son can do the same things, or Jesus can do all things that the Father's the Father can do. Verse, uh, the half of verse nineteen says this. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And I'm going to read the rest of verse 20 and 21 because I see it in connection between, with this last part of verse 19. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will, this, will he show him so that you might marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Think about what Jesus is telling them and telling us here. Whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. That there is nothing he's telling the religious leaders and he's telling everybody around him and he's telling us that whatever the Father can do, the Son also can do. In other words, what he is saying is the song 
is almighty. There is nothing impossible for Jesus. For Jesus. And think about what this meant for these religious leaders. First, they were offended that Jesus uh, told the man, take up your mat and walk. Then they get even more offended that Jesus says that as the Father works, I am working also from the beginning. And then he is going to tell that the will of the Father is the will of the Son, and he keeps pressing on to say, I can do all what I, Jesus, can do all what the Father does. And all what the Father does is that they will look up, they will look back throughout the pages of the Old Testament until creation, and Jesus is saying all that the, the Father, all what you understand as the Father, God can do, I can do. In fact, Jesus himself was the one who created everything that exists. People throughout Jesus' ministry will be surprised at seeing the kind of things that Jesus was able to do. Change the water into wine. Heal the song of the official. And you will see all these miraculous signs. But all these miraculous signs are nothing compared with the fact that Jesus created water. That Jesus created the heavens and the earth. That Jesus can do everything that God the Father can do. Lastly, is that the Son, or we put it this way better, the Father has given all judgment to the Son. The Father has given all judgment to the Son. Look with me, verse 22. It says like this. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. This doesn't mean that the Father does not have the authority to judge anybody, but in God's plan has assigned to the Son the judgment of the world. And how do we see that in practical ways throughout these verses? For example, when you read verse 23, it says that all may honor the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. For whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Therefore, there is no such a thing that I believe in God and I honor God, but I don't believe in the Son. That's what separates Christianity from most of the religions and from all of the religions of the world. That the only way to the Father is through the Son. The only way to the Father is through the Son. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. From death to life. Therefore, it is the Son, it is the Son that what measures if somebody is safe or not, if you believe in him as your Savior, who decided that God himself has appointed that the Son is the one who judges all things. And at the end of the time, will be Jesus who will come and will be the judge of everything and of everyone. We will appear before him, and he will be the judge. Now, here is where I'm coming to this part, which is 
uh, the sometimes the challenging part throughout every of my weeks working on a sermon. And, and here is going to be actually your homework. You are going to do that part with me. And it is to think about what are the implications of the things that we see from these verses. I'm saying that I think about these implications myself, and I try to conclude this sermon or any sermon with those implications. And I'm not talking about practical things on, on what to do now, but it's what does it mean for me as a Christian or as a person who is encountering these doctrines? What does it mean for me to understand and believe these things? To believe that the Father and the Son are one. That the Father and the Son are one. To believe that the Father and the Son are of one accord. What does it mean for me? That the Father and the Son are of one accord. And I'm saying to you, this is, I'm, I'm actually, no, I, this is not a mandate. This is more, I encourage you to think about these things. As you do in your own meditation, when you do your devotional and try to apply this to your life, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for you that Jesus can do all things that the Father does? And what does it mean that the Father has given all judgment to the Son? Think about this. And I'm sure that that you're not going to be able to come up with these implications right now. But I encourage you to think about these things throughout the week. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you, in your mercy, send your son, whom you love from eternity, to come here to this world to empty himself and die on the cross for our salvation. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, you did this for us, that you have given us hope of eternal life. Not because we are people who deserve to be saved or because we are lovable, but because of your grace and mercy. We thank you for that. And we thank you, Father and Son, that you send your Holy Spirit into into our lives, that you uh, give us new life in Christ, that you uh, open the eyes of our hearts to see the truth of the gospel, that you um, transform our minds and and help us, Lord, and and move us in our sanctification, in our daily struggles. We thank you, and we give you all glory and honor because you are the only one who deserves it. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.